Merida College proudly presents Pios and Five, a podcast series that allows us to have quick and insightful conversations with students, alumni, and employees. I'm your host, Tom Perry, and joining me today is Adriana Roberts, a 1989 graduate and the owner and CEO of Booty Mashup, a California-based company that specializes in nightclub and mashup dance parties. Adriana is also, well, is also a well-known activist for the transgender community. I'm also excited to say that Adriana is being recognized by Merida College as an iPioneer, which is our way of sharing stories about alumni who are making an impact in the world. Adriana, thank you for taking some time to speak with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I actually graduated in 90. Oh, all right. So nineteen ninety. So hey, I made you older by accident. We won't let that Yeah, happen. don't 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 make me any older than I already am. <laughs> right. We can definitely not do that. Well, to get things started, um, you know, I've got to imagine uh, there's some people out there that want to know a little bit more about your company. Specifically, what is a mashup? Okay, so a mashup is when you take two or more songs and you literally mash them up. It often often means the extracted acapella vocal of a song over the instrumental of another song. So, you know, for instance, you take like Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, but just the vocal and you put it over like Daft Punk or, you know, you take like a Lady Gaga song and you put it over Metallica, you know, that kind of thing. And it's this, this culture clash and this genre clash, if it's done well, um, it becomes, you know, hopefully greater than the sum of its parts. And I've been championing this, this new, new, well, it's not new anymore, but when we started back in 2003, it was, it was um, really just bubbling under in the underground. And I was a DJ and I got sick of people asking me to play the normal song. So uh, I started a dance party uh, that was dedicated to only playing bootleg mashups. And the reason they're called bootlegs is because the artists don't sign off on these. This is basically like, this is like fan fiction for pop songs, you know, taking two artists that might not even be in the same room together and merging them together into one. And as DJs and producers, we can do all this with audio software on our computers. And as a DJ, I can play it out live for, for a, uh, a party. Perfect. Um, well, as I said, California based, but you're now in Germany where you recently moved. Can you talk about why you made the move and is your company still based in California at this time? The company is still based in California. Our, our flagship party is in San Francisco. And then we also have parties in Los Angeles, New York, Seattle. We've had one-off parties all over, including Berlin. Uh, my partner is based in Berlin. In fact, I actually met her at a booty mashup party in Berlin. Uh, and I moved to Berlin recently because, well, you know, COVID-19 pretty much shut down the parties. Um, that being said, my business is still alive. We pivoted to live streaming. Uh, we have a Twitch channel that uh, really took off quite, quite fast. And now we have a global audience. I mean, we've always had a bit of a global audience because of our website, but now we can actually DJ mashups live for people and the audience doesn't necessarily have to be at a nightclub in San Francisco to experience it. They can tune in from anywhere in the world. So uh, because of that, I don't have to be in San Francisco anymore. I can still do my job here in Berlin. 
So I'll add on to that. How has, has the pandemic had kind of an uh, unintended consequence that's maybe turned out to be a positive for you? Well, I mean, <laughs> I had a 90% decrease in income. Okay. So, so, so the answer is that. <laughs> well, I mean, you try to find the silver lining in everything. Um, I mean, it's kind of funny. I spent the whole last year just pivoting so hard that I didn't even really have time to really think about how financially devastating all of this was. But that being said, I mean, obviously it's a lot cheaper for me to live in Berlin than it is in San Francisco. Um, so I've had to make changes in my life. But, um, but overall, the silver lining is pivoting to a whole new platform. Now, when COVID-19 is over, I mean, we're going to have the parties, but we also have this whole live streaming audience that did not exist before. And we've discovered mashup fans all around the world. So that is pretty amazing. And, um, you know, and I mean, yeah, I'm not throwing parties for the past year, but throwing parties is also kind of expensive. I don't have those expenses anymore. So, you know, it's like, yeah, there was a significant loss of income, but there was also a significant uh, decrease in expenditures too. So, I, you know, it's funny, I never went to business school. I wasn't part of the McDonough leadership program or anything like that, but a lot at Marietta sort of somehow trickled down into this head. And I somehow figured out with a liberal arts education how to, you know, be a DJ and a performer, but also run a business that centers around that. Well, I'm going to transition a little bit here. And that's, um, you know, with your uh, traveling uh, to Germany. Uh, I kind of go into a question where a few years ago, you were uh, part of a movement that helped change legislation in California that made air travel a little easier for you and others in the trans community. You talk about the X designation on your driver's license and why it's important for states to allow for this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I was one of the first, if not the first, I mean, there's really no way to actually tell, but I know that I was like, made my appointment at the California DMV um, on the, the, the day that it finally went, went live, um, there was a, a bill that allows one to change their gender designation, not simply to male or female, but to a non-binary X. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, especially young people these days, um, are realizing that you don't have to necessarily fit your gender into a traditional male or female binary. And it's nice that, especially for someone like me who lived a very non-binary life for 20 years, um, I mean, that was like, oh God, you know, it's like having, having a gender marker on your ID that really reflects who you are uh, is certainly a lot easier than trying to fit a square peg into a round hole is what it is. And uh, other, other states are following suit. I mean, Oregon did it first. California did it. There's other states. It, it's not on, an, on a federal level yet, but it's a really, really big step forward of recognizing transgender people as, as humans, you know, it's, it's humanizes us. And, and, for, and for the trans people and non-binary people who don't necessarily feel like they fit one way or the other um, on a, a male-female binary spectrum. It it gives it gives them a place and an identity. Well, thank you. And that's recognized. That's recognized at a government level, which is nice. 
And another thing you started to hit on a little bit, and I want to go back to it, and that's your, your Meredith College experience. Um, can you just talk maybe a little bit about how your four years here sort of helped prepare you for your career and your role in helping expand trans rights? Uh, wow. Um, actually, I don't know of anything <laughs> Marietta um, helped with 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 trans rights at all. I mean, when I was at Marietta, I wasn't even really quite, I mean, I was very aware that I was queer. Um, I identified as bisexual the entire time I was at Marietta College. But um, at that time in the, the, the late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, there wasn't a big LGBT scene there. Um, I felt like half the people in the theater department were queer um, and we were all out to each other, but it was varying degrees of who was out, out in, you know, the, you know, the straight world really. Um, and I didn't really, you know, it, it's, it's weird. Queerness is strange. It was like, I knew I was bisexual, but sexuality and gender identity are actually two different things. And, um, and I didn't really become aware of my transness until after I'd, I'd left. I mean, I was aware to a degree, but I wasn't like, you know, I was always androgynous. I was always, you know, I mean, AMAB assigned me male at birth, but I was always feminine. Like I, I, I had feminine characteristics, but you know, I was like, okay, I was just an androgynous, you know, queer kid at Marietta. Um, and weirdly, I mean, you know, it's like, it, it was it was tough here and there, but it wasn't, I didn't experience nearly as much um, homophobia um, as, you know, one would think in a small town in Ohio, um, probably just because of the friends I kept and the, uh, you know, I was involved in the arts and the theater department, and those were all fairly open-minded and progressive. And uh, yeah, I mean, the great thing about Marietta College was it was small enough that I was able to tip my toes into every little thing. And so I think having that like kind of well-rounded experience of being able to do theater, do art, you know, have a cable access show, do mass media, do photography, do all these different things, um, really kind of helped just shape a well-rounded base to, you know, then go out into the world. Well, yeah, I don't know, that didn't really answer your question in regards to transgender rights, but <laughs> like I said, a lot of that didn't really happen until um, you know, until after I had left Marietta. Nope, totally, totally fair. So then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of flip it a little bit now that you're in the position that you are now in, in the things that you've been able to do. I mean, there's students here that might be going through similar things, that kind of stuff. What advice might you give them as someone who's experienced, you know, has now this experience that might help them at the 18 to 23 year old range to sort of, you know, help them, whether it be with a trans issue or whether just before their livelihood. Wow. Um, well, I will say this, it is light years better for queer youth now than it was when I was growing up, um, which is amazing. And it's, uh, it's fantastic. And I have to admit, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> um, queer kids today have, uh, you know, there's, you, you don't feel as alone and isolated. And even though you might be one of only a few on campus that might be, you know, trans or, you know, whatever flavor of queer you happen to be, um, 
people are more open and accepting in general, just in society in general. And also you are literally one mouse click away from people just like you and their stories, you know, with, you know, just a cursory search around, you know, YouTube, you'll find so many um, other uh, people your your age that are feeling the same the same things and the same experiences and having that shared collective consciousness is really reassuring and a lot easier than you know pre-internet days really. Well, Adriana, thank you for joining us today on Pies of Five and also for sharing with everyone what it means to be a pioneer. Oh well, thanks. I never even really thought of myself as much of a pioneer, but I guess. On uh, a long enough timeline, I made it. <laughs> I did it. You are definitely, definitely doing it. We, we do appreciate it very much. Well, this podcast was brought to you by Merida College and the Office of Communication and Brand Management. For more information about Merida College, please go to www.merida.edu. Or if you have a suggestion of someone we should consider for Pios and Five, please email me, Tom Perry, at perryt at merida.edu.